Welcome to the Kim Doyle Show, where I believe business should be fun. Creating, marketing, and mastering your craft is as much about the day-to-day as it is about the big wins and even the epic fails. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things content marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of mindset, and how to just show up by creating an online business and income that fits your lifestyle. Hey, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. And this is the second time I've done this, pal. I have to tell you, yesterday, because I haven't had guests on for a long time, I finally felt like it made sense to introduce myself as the host, because I do that often when it's just me. So I am your host, Kim Doyle, and my guest is my dear friend, Kyle Van Dusen. Kyle, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. It's always my my uh, wildest dream come true to be on the Kim Doyle <laughs> show. I didn't pay him to say that, but thank you. You're really good. The, check, the go. check better be in the mail, though. It is. It is. I, I can already see you. that. You're going to crop that out, and it's going to be a little social media post. It's <laughs> going to be repurposed. I know how this goes. I know how to get on all the channels. Yeah, you do. So, um, so Kyle and I have been friends for a few years and I, I just have to, we had done a podcast interview last fall. The audio was choppy and we were both like, yeah, let, let's just redo it. So, which is fun because we've got a ton of stuff to talk about, but I still like doing the backstory, Kyle. So let's, for the people who don't know you, give us a, your cliff notes backstory on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I, uh, I worked as a graphic designer for like 15 years in the print industry before I ever really did anything online. Uh, eventually I got sick of working for people and wanted to be my own boss and started a web design company. Um, so that kind of led me to find WordPress and, uh, all the people around WordPress, the community around WordPress and, and kind of get deep into that. So since then, uh, I launched a community called the admin bar where we have, of uh, several thousand web developers in there sharing their tips and tricks and helping each other out. And a lot of times just bitching about clients or whatever's going on. Uh, and yeah, yeah, there's, there's at least one or two of those a day. Uh, and we're all there to kind of like console everybody and, and commiserate with them. Uh, and then last year, towards the end of the year, me and Andre from Project Huddle, who, which is a WordPress plugin. We launched a WordPress plugin called Docket WP. So between my agency, the admin bar, and Docket WP, I stay pretty busy on the internet all day. Uh, yeah, you do. And so let's talk a little bit because Docket WP is what we talked about before. Um, explain what Docket WP is. Yeah, so I I'm somebody who I I try to just wing things as much as possible. It's not in my nature to be like, I'm going to do this this exact way. And I'm going to get up at this exact time. And like, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm very like, go with the flow and and this and that. But there's things you're That's doing inside like of your you, dude. I'm yeah. right. I'm sorry. Like I need white space in my life. I'm like, I'm just going to go. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. The, <laughs> the problem that. is with that though, is there's just some things that need to be done a specific way. Right. And so one of these things uh, in particular that was bothering me is I made like a, a checklist for launching a website. Like, cause you know, there's 500 different things you need to check and make sure you've done right. And things are set right. And it's being indexed by search engines and all that. Um, so I had a nice checklist. It worked really well. It was very thorough. Um, but the problem was, is I would just get lazy and not want to be working on the website and go find my checklist and switch back and forth between tabs and stuff. So I reached out to Andre and I said, Hey, is there any way you could make me something where I could like pull up a checklist from inside WordPress? So I don't have to leave. I have it right here. I have no excuse not to go through my checklist and not to cross everything off of it. So that's kind of how the idea started. And we came up with lots of more ideas that come around, you know, 
fit within that. But basically what Docket WP is, it gives you, uh, it gives you a checklist inside our system to build, create, manage, import checklist inside your WordPress dashboard. So you can have all that stuff in one place and not be flipping back and forth between tabs and stuff. So I, I love project management tools, but I have just failed at using all of them because it's just another thing to go in and out of all the time. So I get real into it and build something really nice and click up. And then I'm like, eh, I don't have time to go mess with all that. Uh, it's so, like a part-time job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm I'm a solo uh, uh, agency, so I don't have somebody to like project management, you know, project manage all these things for me. I'm doing all that, you know. So yeah. what's nice about Docket and, and the way I've been using it, and a lot of the users we have are also solopreneurs. So it's just something that you don't have to go in and manage. It's just there when you need it. It's out of the way when you don't need it. Uh, so we've built a bunch of like process checklists in there. So subscribers to the plugin have access to launch checklist and blog post checklist and SEO checklist. So they can like, uh, you know, start a blog post, open up that checklist, make sure they have everything done on it. They've, you know, put in the right title and the featured image and done the social share image and all those things that you try to do by habit, but you can forget sometimes. I don't know how many times I've like shared a blog post and realized it's just using the first image on the page or not the right uh, you know, text underneath it or whatever. So it's just kind of, uh, like having another pair of eyes, you know, so, uh, it's been really handy to have all those things kind of built in it. And then people can build their own checklist and import them into any website they want. And it's a, it's a pretty neat little, uh, time saving tool. It, it, well, it is. And especially with collaboration, like for, you know, like obviously for my stuff, it's just me too, but I was telling you about that other newsletter project and I'm like, this is going to go in here so that we can, so that, my counterpart, who is my daughter, uh, won't miss stuff. Right. <laughs> and watch, I'll be the one to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so how has that been? I mean, just tell, I mean, you guys launched it a few months ago. How has, how did the launch go? Is it selling consistently? Are you guys marketing it? What's, what's going on? Yeah. So I, I will admit we could do a much better job of marketing it, but of course, Andre has his full-time thing is Project Huddle. I have my agency going full-time. So part of this is just figuring out time for all the marketing. Our launch went really well. I think we're up to just over 500 customers at this point. Nice. So we're still slowly growing it, um, you know, uh, seeing new sales, you know, maybe not every day, but certainly several a week, uh, which is good and and getting lots of feedback from people. So we're working on some new uh, features right now, a, a dashboard where you can kind of manage all your projects from one place and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just been one of those things. I, I, our, our vision for the product is to like, how can we make this as minimal as possible, right? So I think a lot of tools get carried away with like, let's add every feature in the world. And now this went from something that was a checklist to now it manages your entire life and makes coffee. Like we don't want to do that. So yeah. anything we work on, it's like, okay, how can we make this more simple? How can we do this? You know, uh, uh, does this belong in the plugin? Things like that. So we really try to be careful about not cramming it full of stuff. It needs to do what it does really well and nothing else. Uh, because I just think tools like that, are, you know, they, they're, they have better longevity. There's something you can actually rely on because, you know, there's so many tools that I've bought into that constantly update and are constantly just blowing up and growing. And some of the things they're doing are really great, but every time I log into it, I don't know how to do anything anymore because it's all changed, you know, yeah. so stuff like that just annoys me. So we're trying to be really careful about like, let's grow this really intentionally and make sure we're putting in the features that make sense and, and make it uh, more useful for people. Which is, I was thinking ClickUp is one of those, right? Like I actually paid for premium ClickUp and it's just every time I go in there and the truth is like, 
I don't, I mean, for the planner, it's Jody and I, and we have some customer service support and we've got a couple different things like, you know, outsource fulfillment and stuff. But honestly, for me, I don't ever want like, it, it, I, I want to keep it as simple as possible. And I've done that. Like I was like, oh, ClickUp looks great. And I've done Trello, so many different things. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stay in Evernote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I did ahead. the same thing. I bought ClickUp and I got super into it and it set up this, you know, super elaborate dashboard and then realized, oh, I need to change everything and probably changed everything three or four times. And it's just like, you know, that becomes your full-time job is just yeah. like, Every time you have an email, well, that means I need to change this and then go into this thing and move this thing around. Because if you don't do that constantly, if you're not constantly keeping all those records up to date, then it becomes useless. And then two weeks later, you're like, well, none of this is good anymore. Do I blow it up and start over or what do I do? You know, so it's it can be, you know, unless you have somebody that that's their job to manage it, it's really hard to use one of those tools to its fullest, you know. So for me, it's always about simplicity. I've always kind of like ended up back inside Trello because it's the most simple tool, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? We use Asana for the planner because Jody has all her client stuff in there. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, fine, I'll put it in. I'll just use Asana because it's, it's just she's in there already, which is fine. And it probably drives her crazy. But I, I think for me, the best way to get stuff done is in a style that works for me. Like I calendar everything. Everything goes into Google Calendar. I've got due dates, but it's like, I'm pretty much only accountable to myself or her, but it's the same thing. It's kind of like, like Michael Hyatt has a like daily planner and Brendan Burchard has one or like Todd Herman. And I'm like, I I've seen some of those. I'm like, this is a part-time job to manage my mm -hmm. calendar. I'm like, I don't want to do this either. So anyway, um, well, I'm glad to hear it's, it's going well. And you know, the other thing I was thinking about Kyle is that the fact that it is something that you guys can have. And, and just take your time with it. You're not relying on it to pay your bills per yeah. se. I, I don't know. There's something about that. I mean, we did that with the planner. There's something about being able to not have to like make it happen yesterday and to be able to slowly develop it. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, I feel like when when you're in that mindset of like grow, 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 we got to blow this up and make it as big as possible. That's when you start adding a ton of features that don't make sense or trying to appease everyone, you know? So yeah. for us, it's a lot more about you know, making something that's solid and taking our time doing it, making sure it's done right. So, you know, it we we don't we're not relying on that for income to feed our family, which means that we can afford to spend time on doing updates and making sure we're doing things right, making sure we're testing things and you know things aren't breaking. One of the things that Andre said because he's had a plugin for so long is he can't believe how little support requests we get for Docket. Which part of that is we don't you know five hundred something users. It's not a ton, but there's just very few things. Knock on wood uh, to break inside of it, right? So everything's very intuitive inside of it. People figure it out fairly quickly without reading a bunch of documentation. And there's just not a whole lot of things you can do inside of it to break it. So some of those things, just taking our time to be able to think these things out, test them, make sure they're all working, think about all the different scenarios. You know, that actually saves us a lot of headache in the long run too. So. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Do you feel like there's a, um, shift towards simplicity. I think, you know, like I've never been an all in one person, you know, where it's like, I'm going to put everything on Kartra or whatever, or right. whatever, you know, even, even, so I left Kajabi, which I had a great pricing on it, but it was sort of like, I'm not using it for email. I'm never going to use it for a website. So it's like, this isn't necessarily what I need. And I, I don't know, I, I prefer a tool that does its thing and does it really well. It doesn't have to do all these other things. Although I will tell you, 
I have ConvertKit for my personal brand and I dig the commerce piece that they've added and some mm-hmm. of the landing pages I think are pretty neat for, for a few little things if you don't need a full store or whatnot. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there is a pull towards simplifying and maybe it's just because of where I'm at, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, I, I agree too. And, and ConvertKit's a good example too, because they, I think of all the email mar- marketing platforms, I think they best define their audience very publicly, right? So it's ConvertKit is for people, for creators, you know, a lot of, you know, small creators, not huge teams and stuff. That's not who they're targeting. And so the, the things they've added, it, it, ConvertKit's what I use too. The things they've added seem like a really big value add for those kind of clients. Like I'm probably not necessarily exactly there because I don't think they're necessarily targeting web developers that could go out and build a full store. Uh, but for the people that are just creating little, you know, they want to start selling some little digital download or something to be able to do that right inside their email marketing platform and not have to go hire a web developer uh, for all those things. I think that makes perfect sense for their platform and and their platforms like that too, where it's it's very simple. Like there's nothing confusing. I, I It wasn't hard to learn how to use it, right? It's not yeah. like I think about MailChimp and you get inside MailChimp and it, you know, oh, it doesn't even... It does more than ConvertKit, but then also doesn't do as much. But it's it's like a maze to try to figure out how to get things to work. And ConvertKit's just very straightforward, and there's not a bunch of fluff and pomp and circumstance and things you don't need. So I do think that like trend towards simplicity is something we see more and more. Yeah, and you know it's funny with with ConvertKit. <coughs> excuse me, is we use Active Campaign for the planner because the deep WooCommerce integration. And it kind of does my head and I, I know how to use it and whatnot. And although the UI feels like it's like from, I don't know, 1995, a little bit to me, but it's, it's interesting doing a newsletter, which I didn't mean to, but we can segue, but doing newsletters in both platforms is, mm. you know, the active campaign has more, you know, drag and drop all this kind of stuff and convert kits. Like, no, you need to focus on the text. You yep. can include images, but they really don't want you doing convoluted. They're like, focus on the content, um, which I actually, it removes for me, like having to make, it's kind of a pain to go get all that stuff in there, to be honest with you. And not only that, like you design these really beautiful templates and then uh, we have one that goes out for the admin bar, like a newsletter. And all of a sudden uh, my buddy, Matt Davies wrote me and said, why is everything inside this email brown? And I'm like, what are you talking about brown? There's nothing brown inside that email. Well, we do a bunch of digging. We finally figure out that it's if you're on an iPhone and you're using the Gmail app and you have your phone set to dark mode, then it just inverts all the colors. And it was inverting everything that was our brand yellow color uh, to make it brown as it was like forcing dark mode on the email. So I, I ended up having to do like a poll in the group to say, you know, how many people of you see the emails like this versus mm-hmm. the way they're supposed to look? And, you know, it was... Uh, it ended up being around 10% or so, which is a good amount of people that are seeing like this doo-doo brown email that I'm sending out, which isn't super appealing. But yeah, I mean, you're just adding all those complexities. And when you talk about, because we do send our our admin bar newsletter out. I use MailerLite because it's what we started with and it's been fine and I'm too lazy to re-tag everybody and set up new automations in another system. Uh, but, you know, I do design those and they have like a, you know, color background and some different blocks and stuff in them. But for my agency, I use Conversion kit and it's literally just text on the page my profile image at the bottom and and honestly i think that's just better i do too the one thing and i'm curious this is a little bit of a techie question have you done any of the conditional content with convert kit 
No, I haven't. I just hadn't had a need with with my yeah. agency. It's very, you know, nothing in there is going on very crazy. I'm not selling digital products or anything to them, really. So I hadn't really had the need to do all that. I've watched some of the videos and stuff on it that look pretty cool, but I hadn't got into it. I haven't either. And I actually have Brendan Dunn's Mastering Convert Kit that I've not. It's so just the way his brain works. I, I sort of need I wish I could just osmosis, like suck him in. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think it's something that is they all the platforms have these abilities to do things, but if you're not doing the basic, it's kind of irrelevant. So it's like at least, you know, I went in and I've done a lot of cleanup and stuff, but okay, I want to pivot here. I didn't mean to go off on a convert kit thing. So for the viewers, listeners, Kyle responded. I've I've made no secret of my latest obsession with newsletters. And Kyle responded about something with newsletters. So why don't you jump in with one, your newsletter, and two, what you started noticing working. Yeah. So um, like I said, we have this community, the admin bar, and we have, I don't know, I think there's 3,600 people in there or something now, uh, but we have really, really high engagement inside the Facebook group. You can measure how many people are active and stuff inside of Facebook's analytics. And it's it usually hovers anywhere between like 85 and 92% of the people in the group are active every month, which means there's tons of posts. There's tons of comments. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's pretty common for any given post inside the group to get, you know, 50, 70, 100 comments pretty regularly. And we're getting, you know, 30 or 40 posts per day. So there's a ton of content being created inside this Facebook group. Um, but the problem with Facebook groups is the search is horrible. You can never find something that happened a week ago if you wanted to. Uh, so one of the one of the things like we get tons of great feedback about the group and about the conversations that are happening inside the group. But there's so many people that said, oh, I never saw that or, oh, I missed that or, oh, if I'm not there every day, I feel like I've gotten completely lost in the conversation, you know, yeah. so, like, OK, how do I solve this problem? Uh, so what I ended up doing and has worked really well. It was kind of by accident. What I ended up doing was just uh, started every Friday sending out a recap of the best post in the group from the week. And the idea there wasn't necessarily like, I want to start a newsletter. It was, how do I solve this problem of there's really good content that people are missing because there's too much content, right? Uh, so I just started sending out, these are the, you know, the five, 10 best posts or the most popular posts or what I thought were the most valuable posts for the week and sending them out to our email list. And almost immediately I started getting responses, you know, replies to the emails, thanking me for doing that. Those posts started performing better inside the group, uh, you know, and I could really track what kind of content I was linking to was getting the most clicks and all that. So from like a marketing standpoint too, it told me, you know, what content in our, inside our group people were most interested in. Other than that, um, I didn't realize how many people were on our newsletter, on our email list that weren't inside the group, right? So we've yeah. done some like content upgrade things. We have a, a product called the Website Owner's Manual that a lot of people have bought. Um, I, I really, I, I wrote the newsletters assuming everybody who was getting them was also active inside the group. But what I've noticed is every time I send out a newsletter, we get a ton of group uh, join requests because people are clicking on those links and can't see the content because it's inside a private group. So it's been another really great way of just, you know, growing the group with people that I know are interested in the content, which is really neat and something I definitely didn't expect. You know what? I don't know if you had been in content creators at the time, but 
I, when I launched the group, which is probably three and a half, four years ago now, but I did a weekly recap and I called it creator's pulse. It was so time intensive though. I think I was Mm -hmm. putting too much in it. And in terms of the open, right, which I would be so curious if I felt like, I don't know that I feel like doing that again right now, but in terms of the open rates, like I, I love the, the data that I'm getting from ConvertKit right now, just in terms of for F the hustle. Um, Mm. But you know, it's how, like how time intensive is that for you? And, and side note, I still am not sure where I'm at, even with keeping my group, to be honest with you. And it's like, life happened and I got busy and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it was sort of like, I want this to turn into X results. So I'm sort of looking at a group reboot, to be honest with you. But like, how time intensive is that for you to do that newsletter? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I spend a lot of time inside of our group. So uh, I'm seeing most of the posts that come in anyways. And I'm trying to moderate to make sure that there's not issues and problems. Luckily, most people inside the group, the only time people give us problems is like new people to the group that like, (laughs) haven't been initiated to the culture, right? I think once people have been in there, they kind of figure out how to behave. So uh, basically, all I've done is I've created a system where when a post comes in and I think it has potential, like this is a really good topic, people are going to respond well to this. I just kind of can get a sense of that fairly decently. I right click on the little timestamp on it, open it up in a new tab, and I have a bookmark folder inside my browser for each week. So I just add that into that bookmark folder. Uh, so all week I'm collecting all the content. Um, and what I've started doing recently is doing some things outside the group as well. So if I stumble on a cool tool or something, I can share that in there. So I'm just keeping this bookmark folder all week long. Uh, my newsletter comes out on Friday. So Thursday morning, I will open up all those things I've bookmarked inside of a, uh, inside of a browser, all in you know their own tab, and open up the template I've created and write a little title for each one of them and a little synopsis and a link. Um, So I think it probably takes me maybe an hour to write the actual newsletter every week, Uh, maybe a little bit longer that. And then during the week, as I'm like curating that content, it's really not adding to time. It's right clicking something, adding it to a bookmark. So it's really, I don't feel like curating all that content takes a whole lot of time. It's just organizing it when I'm going to write out the newsletter. Well, and you know, what's interesting is because I do that with F the Hustle. I just keep stuff like I've got an Evernote and I just keep stuff going. But I think when I was doing it for the group, I was just including too much. I think I was just doing way too much because it was super time intensive. Um, So first of all, let's talk, let's kind of shift a little bit to newsletters in general, because I am freaking obsessed with it. I love that because if I could just write and talk, I'll, like I'd be happy to write and podcast, right? If that's all I had to do. Um, I mean, I like doing live streaming once in a while too. I've not done it in a long time, but um, I, I'm in awe that this space is blowing up and I, I have just done so much reading and research and I'm kind of working on an epic post on it. But like, I don't know, I, I get excited because, and this is probably going to sound super snotty, but it is what it is. I feel that people who are willing to read a newspaper or a newsletter Hi, am I dating myself? Um, what is but, this, 1960? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wasn't around then. But, um, you know, just it's a higher quality subscriber if people are willing mm-hmm. to read and engage with your newsletter. And there is this element of one. And I actually had a friend of mine who is launching one. She's like, I would love to see an app of all your stuff just so that I could just read your stuff very easily on my phone. And I was like, huh, I haven't thought about it. I mean, all the stuff I do is 
mobile ready, but um, I just, I think it's, we're saving people time. It's, but you're able to kind of create your own format and whatever segments you want to include. I just, I think it's fantastic. And I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, Um, Larry Snow, I don't know if you're listening or watching this, but Larry shared with me, Facebook is creating newsletter tools to publish new newsletters on Facebook. Really? Yep. You know, and with Twitter buying review, it's like, this is fascinating. So I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on the space in general? Yeah. So, I mean, I hadn't honestly given it a ton of thought until I kind of just stumbled into, I have a newsletter now. Um, but it seemed like for so long, like anybody's newsletter list you were on, they were just like spamming you and selling to you constantly. So it was like the really crappy, low value type newsletters. So enough about I think me. So, what do you think about me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think people kind of started tuning those out. And what happened was there, you know, I found some authors that I was reading their book and they said, Hey, join my news, you know, join my newsletter. And I did. And I realized, you know, every week they're sending out these brilliant emails with all this advice that, you know, tags along right to what I was reading in their book and stuff. And I think people just started saying, you know, screw that. We're just going to put a bunch of value in our email list, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, into our emails that go out. And I think it's kind of turned the tides on that. And there's people that are, actually actually giving you really valuable content inside of a newsletter rather than on Facebook or on uh you know on their website or something because I think it goes back to creators have figured out this is the only thing that's like mine you know what I mean social media isn't mine uh and if I pour a ton of work into social media and then Facebook changes the way things work uh you know I'm kind of screwed like I can own this email list and if I tell everybody this is where the value is they'll come to it you know so I think the tide's turning on that I'm not sure every like consumer is ready to figure that out you know I feel like we're a little bias because we're in a we're in a real techie space where like yeah. we're on the front line of these things happening like I doubt my wife is reading a bunch of like email newsletters but I bet she will be in the next year or so because I just think that's where things you know are are really picking up steam well I'll tell you what you know I've done a lot of these um like one-off coaching sessions over the last couple of months and I would say I don't know like out of 10 like nine people have convinced to do newsletters and customize. So just as an example, and I want, so people hearing this and, and, and listening, like this morning I had a, um, a coaching session with a photography studio in uh, Florida and they're looking, I mean, and they've been in business a long time. So they've got, you know, the history of their domain, they've been online, all that kind of stuff. And, but they've got so many ideas, kind of the idea for you. And I was like, if you guys became like, the community newsletter resource. So it's not necessarily just photography, you know, but you got to highlight a local restaurant or that you did a photo shoot of, you know, high school senior portraits. But I'm like, it's that aggregated curation of value that builds the community piece. And they were just, they loved it. They loved the idea of it. Not to mention, we haven't even talked about, like you got a sponsorship. I, we haven't offered it yet. I think we easily can with the planner. I haven't done it for F the Hustle yet. But I think there's a lot of different ways. And I'll give you a, another scenario. Is So I have a, a friend and client that I'm working with. And they're actually in the process of developing an app. And I can't go into too much detail, but it's an app for, for safety for women online and whatnot. She's like, how do we build this community without talking about the app name and whatnot? I'm like, well, you just need to be pro 
the target audience. So as an example, like they're targeting, you know, women and there is this movement of whether it's women journalists or young girls and safety. I'm like, there's so much content out there. I'm like, be the newsletter for that audience that, and you're moving towards something. So it's not, I don't know. I love to get ranty and sarcastic and funny with my sense of humor for F the hustle, right? Like, how do I feel about as, hustle culture? As the name implies. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, for her, I'm like, be the voice, like, you know, voice is heard or whatever. Like, it's going to be so easy to build a loyal following and maybe get contributing writers and whatnot to this newsletter. I'm like, and we're building the list to sell the app to. And, you know, so you start looking at, how to build an audience and how to create that audience. And I just think that the more you can, I don't know, like I I treat it like a publication, which I want to put it on medium as well, or another gal. um, And I'm sorry, I will shut up. This is an interview (laughs) is doing it in like the uh, preserving family memories and whatnot. I'm like, be the newsletter for that space. There's so many tools and ancestry and all these kinds of different things. And it's just, it's curating quality content and then putting your own unique spin on it so they connect with your brand and your voice. Yeah, I, I think curation is one of the most underrated things because one, you know, I, I just like everybody else suffer from, well, I'm not sure what I can come up with on my own today, you know, the writer's block t- type of thing or creating your own content sure takes a lot longer. Uh, one thing about, you know, our Facebook group and repurposing posts from the Facebook group into our newsletter I didn't write any of that. I mean, some of the posts I wrote, but I'm literally just combing through things people are doing and then collecting it all and sharing it as one nice little package. You know, you didn't have to spend your whole week inside the group. Uh, here's the highlights from it, you know? So, I th- and the other thing about, you know, just curating and sharing things other people are doing is it's, it's a great way to explode your audience because when you share something, person over here is doing, then they share that you shared it, you know? So then Absolutely. their audience finds out about you. And it's, I mean, it, I hate to use the word hack cause it's such a hacky word, but it's like a great way to hack into other people's audiences by, you know, sharing their content and not in like, I'm doing this to try to hack into this person's audience, but if something's valuable, share it. Uh, and when you share other people's stuff, it's just natural that they're, they'll share that you shared it, you know? So it's kind of this, you know, Domino, the social side of social media. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, this it sounds like it's very duh, Kyle. We we already thought of that, but you you really do start growing these things exponentially when you start bringing other people into it, and when you know even people inside of our group that uh, get you know their post gets featured in the newsletter, right? People Mm -hmm. will write me back. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you you know put my post in there. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, thank you for posting it. You know, so it's I mean it's a win win if you ask me. So, well, I've done a couple featured readers in the F the hustle, and every single time people are, oh my god, I can't believe this. I was featured, and you know, and it's and it's because I'm just saying thanks for supporting my stuff, and I like what you're doing and who you are and how you move through the world. You know, and I think the cool thing, I I just there's so many pieces to this puzzle sort of like I, I came across, there's a tool now that you can easily set up to sell sponsorships or to sell Mm. classifieds. You can do it on your own, obviously. But I think if you want to set up a system that it's automated and it's fascinating, I think as we're going into this space of, you know, we run Facebook ads for the planner, but I'll tell you like Facebook ads have been all over the place. We've got the whole iOS update and privacy settings and whatnot. So while they all figure that out, because advertising is not going anywhere, 
you know, here it's kind of like podcast sponsorships. I've had podcast sponsorships, but do you know how much better data I can give a sponsor from an email newsletter than I can for, you know, a podcast? I mean, with the exception of do they then have to go to the site and get the link and click the coupon and whatnot versus, you know, so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity and something else that's interesting. I don't know, Kyle, maybe we should try it. Are you familiar with Josh Spector? The name sounds familiar, but I can't place it. He has a newsletter um, and it's called for the interested. And I interviewed Ah, Josh a few years ago. From you, I'm familiar. Okay. So he's been doing it for a while, but one thing else, I, one thing else, my grammar is great today. So another thing I've seen, is um, where people will like, basically I would say, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and write the intro Mm -hmm. to F the hustle and I'll do when we swap. And so there's all of these unique ways that people are saying, how can I get in front of, which this is like old school JV marketing, right? Like joint venture marketing. And as the ad platforms are trying to find their way into a sane and private and legitimate way to do this. um, I think that we're looking back at some of these more collaborative opportunities to grow and scale an audience. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think so. Getting getting sponsors for the newsletter was just, I, I don't know, I, I guess I kind of stumbled into all this. I did no planning on all of it. So we'll just make that real apparent. Uh, you know, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm spending an hour, maybe two hours by the time you you calculate everything, putting this newsletter together. Um, I wonder if somebody would be interested in like being featured in it. So I threw together a little landing page with statistics about our audience in Facebook, statistics about our email list, which had, I mean, it doesn't, we're just under 2,500 users. So our 2,500 subscribers on our email list. So it's by no means a huge email list. Um, but what those people are, you know, I could pull all the data from our website of what they're interested in. Uh, I know where they are. I know how many people are opening the newsletter each week. I know how many people are clicking on things, clicking on multiple things. Like I have a lot of data there that tells people. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't want to necessarily like share everywhere that we're accepting sponsors, especially if we did that and then never had any sponsors and I looked like <laughs> a fool. Uh, so I just reached out to some of the people we already like have connections with and people that are active in our community and have a product. Um, and I think I reached out to maybe four people. I had two sign up right away. Uh, and I'm just limiting the amount of advertisements that can be in the newsletter. Cause I feel like number one, the newsletter has to be good, um, and, and useful to people who are having, or having ads and it will be useless anyways. Uh, so they're non-obtrusive. Nobody's complained about having, you know, a couple little banner ads inside the newsletter, but, uh, you know, we can get really good data on how well it works and everybody can track everything. And, uh, we know exactly who that audience is, you know, with, with the podcast thing, you have a general sense of who's listening to it, but I don't think you have as good a sense of who's listening to your podcast as you would, who's reading your newsletter, you know? Well, yeah. And, and I mean, obviously you, you know, the, you can still email for the podcast solo episodes when I, I mean, do a broadcast email and I love podcasting. It's, it's, you know, it, it's still a very viable channel. I, I just think as that market has gotten is grown and it's obviously going to continue to grow. I mean, we won't get started on clubhouse, but it's fun to see audio apps because all I did was grab my name and delete the app. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I, Audio is a great channel, but I just, the data that you can get from email um, is invaluable. And it's weird that, that, you know, you hear build your list, build your list. The second you get online, I, I wish to God I had paid way more attention to that and gotten into copy and really understood that. 
because, you know, like, especially with a planner, I mean, we make money every single time we email. And have you tested a resend, Kyle, of the newsletter? I haven't on the newsletter. I have some of the like promotional things we've done, uh, or if we're, you know, promoting, uh, we've done some webinars and stuff like that. So I've set some things like that up for resends, but not on the newsletter. Do it. I, I wish we had done it sooner. So we just do it in case you missed it, the ICYMI acronym, and we just resend to unopens. And, you know, we doubled sales from like, wow. cause we, for that. And then for the F the hustle, like I'm not actively selling a service per se in it for myself, but I 10%, I was like, I went, I don't know, went from like a 22% open rate to a 31% open rate. And yeah. so it, it's, it's absolutely worth doing. And I have finally kind of gotten over unsubscribes. It just is what it is. It's part of life. Right. Man, and I am so lucky. That's almost never bothered. Like I almost, I almost like to see people unsubscribe from the list, not huge numbers, obviously, then yeah. I'm doing something wrong. But, you know, I, I pulled up statistics in case we needed them from our last uh, newsletter. We had uh, it, it went out to 2300 people and we had three people unsubscribe. That's great. Three people that, great. that I mean, I think it's a good number, but now we have three people that I don't have to bother anymore. You know what I mean? They've self-selected themselves. This isn't for them. Totally cool. Mm -hmm. I don't have to waste time on them. I don't have to pay uh, extra when I get more subscribers for the subscribers that aren't interested. Anyway, to me, it's like a win-win kind of thing where I, man, unsubscribes don't bother me at all. I know I with the recent the thing, to be honest with you, I really so. do. <laughs> yeah, I just, obviously you can tell I, I don't really care a whole lot about what people think. <laughs> but um, I care. I hit 50 and I'm like, I could care less for the yeah. most part. But. Um, you know, part of the thing that I think like stopped me from doing too much of the resending things um, automatically is so many of the email platforms like, Hey, uh, so many of those are like not, not doing all the tracking on opens and things like that too. Right. So I feel like because that privacy thing is getting, uh, that privacy side of the internet is getting so much bigger. I wonder how that's going to affect things too, with I'm resending things to people that did open it. My email marketing just doesn't know that, you know? So I do want to be careful about that too, but I don't know how big of a percentage that is. Well, and the, it depends too on your audience, right? So obviously you've got a lot of web developers and stuff. So people are much more tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Ideally they've whitelisted or whatnot, but, and if they're using a tool like, Hey, you know, but I would say most people are not, I yeah. mean, I would be curious to, to do a survey to see most people I were probably in Gmail or custom domains or whatnot, but I, I just, it kind of is what it is. And that's another piece to me. It's, it's sort of like the whole argument of pop-ups or, or ads. Mm. And it's like, welcome to online business. It is what it is. <laughs> like, well, I, I will set up this week's newsletter tomorrow. Um, okay. I will set it up to re to automatically resend and I'll report back to you with how many more opens we get. We're running about, about 40 to 45% open rate on our newsletter email. That's huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a and really getting good open rate. Yeah, it's I've been super happy with that. And we're getting, um, anywhere between 10 to 11%, uh, clicking on things and averaging maybe 250 to 300 clicks per email. Now those emails, sometimes they have 30 links inside of them between all the different posts and things going on. So there's a lot of opportunities for th for people to, to click on things. Uh, but getting several hundred clicks out of an email is, is pretty good for me. Uh, it, it really is. And the other piece of that then is, I, so this is for the admin bar only. Do you, where else do you drive lead gen for that? Only the Facebook group? 
So the Facebook group, uh, like I said, we have a product. So a lot of people come into our list. They find our product, buy into that and get onto our list. So there's that. Um, we've all but stopped doing any kind of podcasting for the last three or four months. So there was people uh, still coming to our list and, and eventually coming to our group from the podcast. So, um, you know, but most of it's centered around kind of the the central thing of, of the admin bar is the Facebook group. So most of it is coming from there. I, I just finally put a a generic sign up form on our website maybe like a month ago for our for our email list. Uh and I've been amazed at how many people just click on it and sign up. Like I never put one on there because I didn't think like who just signs up for spam me anymore, you know, but apparently a lot of people still do. Well, yeah, but you know, again, I think that you probably have a different point of view to some of that because you're in the space, which I know a lot of your audience is too. But I just think, you know, like I told a story one time of, I'll never forget going to a, it was a, an Italian restaurant that had bocce ball courts back when I was in California. I don't know, five or six years ago, my girlfriends and I all went to dinner and it was an 45 minutes from where I lived, which is typical of the Bay area, but so it was, it was so around the corner. The, yeah. Yeah. So I go to the website though. And I'm like, I wanted to sign up on his email list because it's totally out of sight, out of mind. And so there was none. And so my girl, we played and we we're having dinner and stuff. And this kind of drunk guy comes up to us. Hey ladies, turns out it was the owner. Great first impression. But he, she starts talking to us. And I'm like, Oh, by the way, I said, you don't have a sign up form on your website. I hate those things. And I'm like, I'm your customer telling you, I want to hear from you, you know? So it's kind of one of those that, you know, it depends on how you view it. I just, I think it's important to let the viewers, listeners, readers, whatever you want to call them, your audience self-select if they want to hear from you. But if you don't give them the opportunity, you don't know. Yeah. And it's amazing, man. I just kind of side tangent, but I think that's okay on this show. We're allowed to go on side tangents. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't imagine a restaurant not taking really good care of an email list. It seems like such an easy way to drive people into your restaurant. I can't tell you, I mean, anybody who is married or has a partner they live with, how many times have you had the argument of, or like the question of where are we going to eat today? And then that goes back and forth. And it's like a, it's a joke to everybody, but it's real and it happens all the time. I'll tell you what, nine times out of 10, I'm like, Hey, we should go so-and-so. I just got a coupon from them or yeah, they just, they have something entree. new or I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a restaurant just because they were at the top of my mind. I didn't even open the emails. You know what I mean? Like I just saw them come in and probably deleted them. But because I'm hearing from them regularly, I'm thinking about them when food comes up, you know, so I just can't imagine people not taking advantage of those kinds of things, but they're not. Well, they don't. And it's interesting because I did go, I think I told this story maybe in the doubling down on email marketing podcast I did, but I went to the website and they've got like a ribbon on the footer now. I'm like, oh, so somebody finally woke up this sporto here and got him to at least catch. And it's crazy to me. I'm like, how many Italian restaurants with bocce ball courts do you, are, are that? It's just not to mention, like you look at what we've been through the last year. How many people do you think wish they had email lists over the last yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's or an online a, presence at all. I mean, I know there's <laughs> quite a few people in your, in your audience that build websites, but it's just amazing how many people all of a sudden realized, holy shit, our, our business isn't online at all. Like we have zero presence. How are we going to survive? I live in a little town in rural Texas. Um, so there's a lot of businesses here that don't have websites or 
ever post on social media or if they do, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and it's just very, you know, it's old school. Uh, but we had a lot of restaurants and small businesses and stuff that didn't need to shut down that ended up shutting down and not surviving this because they didn't have any way to get the word out. Like if people weren't walking down the square, which we have a little town square that's very busy and there's always people walking, but not when COVID got bad, you know, that went away. Right. As soon as there wasn't, wasn't foot traffic anymore, they had no way to reach anyone. Like they were completely invisible at that point and shut down. You know, if they would have just had, especially an email list, but some kind of online presence to get word out to people, hey, we're doing delivery now, or we're doing this or doing that, I mean, it, it literally not having a an internet presence killed tons of businesses, which is amazing. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And the sad thing about it is it's like, in addition to, because especially with restaurants, when you look at like Grubhub and DoorDash and all of those things, it's like, well, it's going to be interesting, but I think you're going to see a lot of restaurants, specifically chains go, yeah, we're going to just bring this in house. We can manage it yeah. if they can figure out the cost effectiveness of it or whatnot, you know, but it, it's not not only not having that presence, but it's like, there's other ways to monetize. You know, it's like, we to your point, we've got a new dessert. I mean, how many businesses, whether not restaurants or not, could have made use of having a web presence and stuff. And so, I mean, for those of us that do online business and marketing and or website, it's like, I don't know. I saw a lot of web developers are like, I've never been busier. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I mean, you know, speaking of, I mean, we're still on a tangent, I guess, but I have one customer that has a restaurant uh, from an old place I used to live. And when all this COVID stuff happened, you know, it was very hard, obviously, on the restaurant industry. Um, he basically had the mindset of, okay, we're going to have the best drive through in town now. Like, all our staff is going to be so trained on drive through and we have to do drive through now that we're going to have the best one in town. The line's going to move quick. Uh, you know, when toilet paper was out of supply and stuff, he basically figured out that, okay, the, the supply chain for um, consumer goods is being depleted, but the supply chain for restaurants and commercial stuff has a surplus because nobody's going to a restaurant. Totally. So he just started selling restaurant <laughs> supplies through the drive-thru. You go through and get some barbecue and get a big roll of toilet paper or paper towels or big restaurant size things of ketchup. And people were literally using that for like their dollar store run, you know, not having to That's go into awesome. a store and they had their best year ever. And he basically promoted all of that through having a social media presence. That is that is brilliant. Like, and that's what I was thinking. Like, how can you pivot this? How can you shift it? It's like, oh my God, I freaking love that story. I love yeah, that. So it's amazing. I know we're kind of winding down a little bit here, but you know, I was telling you sort of what, you know, I, I've sort of got like anti-social. I was just tired of the negativity and I'm just such a Pollyanna. I'm like, I want to stay in my bubble. I want to be happy. And so I actually feel hopeful for the first time in a long time. I feel like um, I use the the explanation that I feel like all the social platforms have kind of been acting out like, you know, uh, delinquent teenagers and doing what they want to do. I think the space has matured a little bit. And I think we're going to see some shifts to, I mean, these are business practices. These platforms aren't going away. I don't know. What are your thoughts about where things are going? I feel good about stuff. Part of that is just because I made a conscious choice to reframe how I think about things. But I see a lot of new opportunities coming outside of clubhouse that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, I've not even looked at that. Plus I don't yeah. have an iPhone, so I have an excuse. Um, there you go. Yeah. So I think, 
I, I mean, I think we all have that like social media overload thing, you know, at some point, right? I think one thing that they, for all of their faults, all of the platforms, you're, you're much more now able to curate an experience for yourself on social media, right? So you don't have to necessarily go in your feed and see everything all at once. In Facebook, you have some groups and you can just go into a feed with your groups in there. Or, you know, so I think you're you're finding more ways to be able to to kind of, I don't know, filter out the things you don't want to deal with, you know, and maybe that's a bad mm-hmm. thing too, but I think we're we're better able to kind of curate what we're consuming on social media, uh, which I think is overall probably a good thing for our mental health. I, I unfollowed and unfriended a lot of people in the last year, um, which I know Me a lot too. of people did. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think being able to like, I, I don't think you have to like throw away social media if you get overwhelmed with it. I think there are ways now that you can kind of curate a better experience on there, which I think is interesting. And, you know, everybody's, everybody's feed is different. Everybody sees these things in a different way, which I think the more it's personalized to you and the more you're seeing the things you're interested in, you know, overall, the better it will be for you. Yeah. And it is sort of that, I don't know, adulting. It's, you know, you need to sort of monitor what works. And I think it has had a negative impact on a lot of people for just their own well-being. At the same time, to your point, it's, you know, really, I don't know, curating it. It's like my feed on Facebook is like marketing friends and animals. <laughs> I'm like, That's fine. You know, I just, I stay out of it. I've started getting back into Twitter and I'm excited about that, but I just, there's only so many hours in the day and you know, it's kind of like YouTube. I know that there's massive SEO value in that. I think I have like 1600 subscribers back from WordPress chick days, but I'm like, I don't know what I would want to do. Like this I'll put up there as well, but like, I don't know what I would want to do consistently that would provide value. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't mind repurposing and and being smart about that. But at the same time, I'm like, like I said, I'd rather write and talk all day. Do do you you feel like people have, now I'm interviewing you. Do you feel like people have less pressure now to feel like they have to be on every channel? I feel like when social media really exploded, like you had to have one of everything and you had to be on all of them and you had to try to do everything on all of them. And I feel like that's subsided and people have just really realized, okay, these ones work for us and these ones don't. And that's okay. Yeah, no, I totally do. And I think just because I've been at this since 2008. And so And for whatever reason, I was smart enough at least to use my name instead of like the WordPress chick at the time or whatever. But that's exactly it. I'm probably on Facebook and Instagram most. Instagram, I haven't done a whole lot with in the last few months, but I'm looking at Twitter again because I know that that gets indexed and whatnot. But but I I really agree with you. I I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's coming up, coming back to like I live by, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. What channels do I like to be on? I do not want to go create a bunch of random social, like I always share my content. I don't want to do the niggly what and and honestly, I'm at a point where I'd rather pay to acquire yeah. things. And and I'll do it organically as well. But you know, we've even shifted a little bit for the planner where we're starting to run more lead gen campaigns because we know our email marketing works. We have enough data that we and, and we go back and revisit our follow-up sequences. It's like, okay, how can we change this headline or what can we include or what can we tweak? You know, so it's 
it's taken two years for that brand to get there. And, you know, for myself, it's just like, what do I enjoy doing? And then I stick with that. Let me ask you before we go. So where, why did you guys ease up on the podcast or why did you put that on hold or stop doing it? I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I think it happened more organically than anything. Uh, time would be part of it. Um, you know, the, the engagement thing, like we've just seen that if we do smaller things inside the group, uh, do, you know, have, we have an idea, have a guest on, do it live inside the group. Uh, those things get better engagement. Uh, we started doing a, this was pre COVID, um, before everybody was doing like a group zoom call, but we started doing a thing called happy hour. I don't know, maybe five or six months before, uh, COVID hit where we we're getting everybody on the group to jump on a live call and we would, you know, uh, BS about whatever. And those were doing so well. So we were kind of just shifting some of those things in different ways other than, than podcasting. I don't think it's necessarily something that's over. It's just been inconsistent. We've been using time to do things, to do yeah. other things that we're getting better engagement in. Well, and I think the beauty of it, I mean, I, my podcast really took a hit, like when my mom passed away and it was just like, I was surviving. And I think when you have an audience and you've built relationships, people are okay with that. And they're yeah. just excited when you just pick it up again. And, and so, I mean, that to your point, that's the beauty is like, you can do what works for you when it works for you. And obviously consistency matters, you know, sure. but I just, I, I think that, I don't know, people have matured a little, they're, they're more forgiving and they understand. So um, God, Kyle, this has been a blast. I could talk to you all day. So where can people find you and connect with you? So let's see. Let's give all the social channels now that I said I don't want to do all of them. Uh, so Facebook is our, our Facebook group. The admin bar is where I spend most of my social media time. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Kyle Van Dusen. Good luck spelling it. Um, I'll link in spend, the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I spend a little time there, but really very little. Uh, but yeah, mostly on, on Facebook is is where I'm spending time. But Okay. And then we'll link to Ogal Web Design. Yes? Yeah. All right. So you uh, you guys, thanks for listening. As always, Kyle, it's been a blast. <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So thank you. We'll for do it again here. next week. Okay. Okay. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you had a blast. Kyle and I had so much fun on that interview. Again, you can check Kyle out at Ogal, O-G-A-L, Ogal Web Design. All the links are in the show notes or check out the admin bar on Facebook. And we're going to go ahead and attempt to spell his name, Kyle, first word, uh, Van. And then the last name is D-E-U-S-E-N, although Van Dusen is the last name. But you know what I mean. Anyways, as always, guys, love you tons. If you've not left a review, would love it. And we will catch you next time.